You don't have to turn this into something. It doesn't have to upset you. Things can't shape our decisions by themselves. And that is the thought for today. Welcome to Blurred Up. I'm Brendan A. Spencer. Thanks for joining us for what I believe will be the... Okay, <laughs> I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> uh, I had to get my Clyde Lee Dennis on for this one. Shout out to 7 Good Minutes. Uh, I do listen to that every now and then. Quality content there. Anyway, thanks for joining us for real. I want to thank Allie for being patient with me. I've been going through something. <laughs> How you doing? I was really trying to hold myself through that whole little spiel that you were doing right there. I was laughing internally so hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you've clicked on this, then you already know the title. Uh, every Kendrick release since Good Kid has been an event. And this album, uh, this new album, Mr. Morale and The Big Steppers, is no different. I wrote close to four pages of script talking about it, analyzing each track before I decided, you know what? Nah. Then I went back on it. Then I ultimately decided not to, opting to focus on things like music this year that we like better. We will also talk about that new viral Chip and Dale movie, the new season of Love, Death, and Robots, and maybe Allie will get into her anime bag once again with some uh, updates. This is the 90th episode, by the way, so that's a cool milestone. Yay! Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I, I don't know. I got nothing. Um, how you doing, though? You good? Yeah, I'm doing good. Managing as best as I can during these uncertain times. Oof, there's so many weird things that weren't on my bingo card for 2022. We got monkeypox. <laughs> monkeypox. I mean, cowpox, chickenpox, smallpox. Now, monkeypox. Who could have seen that coming? I just saw on Instagram, Denzel Curry is on the Elvis Presley biopic OST. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Can you see my brain shorting Again, out? Again, not on my bit? bingo card. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that Chip and Dale movie is not on anyone's oh, bingo oh, card. Oh, that is so. absolutely true. Man, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, I'll, I will be a little serious in the beginning, though, so bear with me, because I, because there are people who are going to be, you know, curious as to why I'm not talking about Kendrick Lamar th- this much. Um, and your your whimpering dog is also probably curious in the background. <laughs> She's not used to being separated from me, at least even for five minutes. So it's a, it's a hard day for her. Unfortunately, she needs the fan, and the fan needs to be outside. This room. we'll get through as fast as we can. I do want to touch upon why I ultimately decided to pass on Kendrick. I do have some negative feelings about this album, but I do want to extend gratitude to Kendrick for being this vulnerable again for men in order to get more people talking about their issues. I would love to be in the States right now, like in barbershops, churches, talking to men about this. When women talk about men, y'all need to get your shit together. This could be a significant launch pad for those kind of discussions. And I hope they do. Uh, manifest. The problem is, I feel that some of those discussions may not be for the better. I cracked again, didn't I? <laughs> I can't. I can't stop myself. Whenever you're getting ready to say a controversial take, your voice crack. It's like your your poker tail. If you go back and listen to every podcast right before you say something wild, <laughs> your voice cracks. Strap in. Um. <laughs> So yeah, so so for example, I have daddy issues. I've talked about it on the show a few times. My relationship with my dad has certainly affected me in many ways. And again, I appreciate Kendrick for bringing it up, especially when he's owning them and not pushing them on anyone else. And he tells men to give women a break. I heard that loud and clear. On the other hand, even though I don't really talk to my dad, I have forgiven him for what he has done to me. But I would never say, dad, I release you, I free you of guilt on behalf of my mother for things that you did to her. I wouldn't free all abusers for what they have done in the world. 
And so for me, I mean, maybe I'm reading this wrong. Ali, you, you, you tell me if I'm, if I'm off on this. For someone trying to shrug off this savior image, is that not contradictory? Yeah, there were a few contradictory elements in the album for me, which I gave a few listens. And uh, I would like to quote a, a colleague of mine, Hope Giselle. Uh, she has her own podcast and she commented on some of the problematic things where Kendrick is this, uh, he's the straight guy's person, you know, the liaison almost, the one that straight men are going to listen to uh, because they feel like he understands them. He's he's the man's man. But like, you listen to this and you're like, who is this for? Like, you know, who is this for? Because who are you talking to right now? Ma'am, it is not that deep. You are not dying. Okay, it's fine. Hey, Gwen. Gwen's also curious about who he's talking to. Yeah, there, there are several points of consternation uh, with this album that make it about almost unlistenable at this point to me. The elephant in the room is Kodak Black. I came across his viral tweet from Ernest Owens under the handle Mr. Onus Ernest Owens. Check him out. I encourage you to read the thread in full. He also wrote a piece on Mike.com titled Kodak Black Doesn't Deserve Redemption from Kendrick Lamar. I didn't know the severity of his case until uh, this past Friday. And after reading even more after that, I simply can't excuse Kendrick for his choice. But you know what's interesting? And maybe this wasn't, I do believe this was an unintended benefit of him being on the album is that it sparked this conversation of people re-talking about the Kodak Black situation because I don't think people know Um, A lot of people don't like Kodak Black because they're like, he's anti-black. He doesn't like black women. He's called black woman roaches. Oh, I didn't know that either. Jesus Christ. Yeah, man's man's has a history. So, you know, I'm glad that people are going to like are finding out about his history of uh, abuse uh, and assault as well. You know, on top of that. So shed more light on why he is a trash dumpster fire of a human being. Uh, if you can't tell, I feel a little bit passionate about that. Yeah, I don't blame you. And, you know, it'd be one thing if he was rapping about remorse or, you know, transforming himself, but there's there's nothing here to justify his presence. What he rapped about not having a father growing up is stuff that he would say on his own album. And these were like a few throwaway lines. And then he went back to talking the basic trap talk he usually does. What's also strange to me about this album is how the guests were chosen and positioned. All of the female perspectives on this album were dressing for Kendrick's pain and vision. It's his project, so of course, that's not necessarily a bad thing on its face. But on an album about abuse and encouraging men, particularly black men, to do better, why not have other perspectives from other identities sharing their their pain or their perspectives caused by men's choices? Kendrick got to be you know, multidimensional here. But for the women, all they did was sing hooks, be toxic, or pat him on the back saying he broke generational trauma, which given Kendrick's choices on this album, make that claim feel somewhat premature. I got the impression that he has made some strides towards breaking that, but I feel like he's still in the midst of this transformation. I don't feel like he's reached like a plateau or, of con- or a level of consciousness like he did on To Pip a Butterfly. I feel like he's like still in caterpillar mode on his way to becoming this new butterfly. And as you said before, even with everything, you know, thank you for being vulnerable and all that stuff like that. But the album was not a good listen. It um not a good listen for me, at least. I just didn't enjoy anything really much about it. The first time I heard it, I was like, maybe it just missed me because, you know, there are some there are some tracks, you know, Humble wasn't everyone's favorite thing at first and neither was DNA. It took a few listens for some people and that that, that hook hits you. Um, but there were there was nothing really that uh, I'm probably going to go back to. Yeah, I think, as you said, just just musically, one of my favorite like beats was Silent Hill. That's a joint you could drive, you know, like on, on the sunset, but Kodak's on it. And it's like, Ooh. just ruins it all. The one, the one song, <laughs> the one song, you know, but you know, everything can't be gold. He's not her savior. I also want to talk about um, this kind of reactionary vibe to this project with Kendrick giving more energy to things like cancel culture than showing compassion to victims and groups who groups of people who suffer the most. That line on N95 where the hypocrites at, what community thinks they're the only ones relevant. 
this came off as a little all lives mattery to me. I don't know how that read to you. I, you know, in his attempt to call out like some things, it felt like he was just being very broad. He also called out the black community a lot. It almost felt like he was blaming us for a lot of our issues. And I'm just like, okay, this, this conversation a little bit tired, you know, uh, I, you know, I was a little like that's low reaching fruit, that's low hanging fruit, but it's cool. Um, also the trans conversation was a little, it was like, I see where you were going, but, uh, again, as you said, uh, he was being a a liaison, (laughs) you know, he's trying to, he's trying to be like a common denominator person to talk to. I don't think just black men, but just, just black people who may have issues with, um, no, like the word that, like that, that kind of, uh, yeah, you know, the antiness, the anti LGBT, that kind of, internalized misogyny that a lot of us have that internalized daddy issues we i also have daddy mm-hmm. issues so <laughs> you know i i got it I, like i said i got where he was going but i think like the response that everyone who's a like a kendrick fan i'm using air quotes because i don't think a fan means you appreciate you 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 think everything someone does sure. is gold was that people who don't like this don't think deep enough they don't they're not understanding they're not blah 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 and i'm just over here saying like oh no i don't like it because i do understand i'm actually to me i'm past this conversation i I want new conversations there's a nuance that could have been had here that was kind of missed and that's where i'm a little bit disappointed yeah it is not that i don't understand the conversation actually it is that i understand the conversation all too well yeah this for it feels like some Kendrick fans are turning into the into the meme that people made about J. Cole fans about needing a certain level of intelligence mm. to understand. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um and that sucks because I, I feel like Kendrick <laughs> folks were kind of up here free from that. But yeah, this I feel like this album is is, is pushing people into that lane, unfortunately. Yeah, I just that line about about the hypocrites and communities, it's like I don't know if it's all lives matter or not, you know, maybe he can do an interview and explain himself on that. But at the very least, it, the way he talks to people who are rightfully upset about what's going on, it feels devoid of the compassion he had for setting free all you abusers. <laughs> that energy is not the same. I don't know what that says about him right now. It just, I don't know. It felt very explorative. Um, I feel like he was definitely exploring some avenues. Is it enough for me to like hate Kendrick? No. Is it enough for me to be looking forward to his next project? Also, no. I'm just literally my opinion on it is like meh. Yeah. Like it's literally meh. Um, I'm hoping that uh, on his next project that we get something uh, better. You know, if you uh, I think you're of the opinion, Brandon. <laughs> Might be another one. What do you say? One one thousand one hundred whatever days <laughs> thirty five days yeah five years um, I think you're of the opinion Brendan that the he's been going downhill right as far as quality oh I don't I don't I don't know if I agree with that I I think I can quote you actually. quote me please what I what I say when someone said uh, comparing J Cole to Kendrick Lamar. Oh, in my in my chat okay, the other okay, day, okay, okay. you said I think J Cole has gotten better and Kendrick has gotten worse, and that their thing has been as good as to Pimple Butterfly, and it's just been a steady decline for you. You know what? Okay, obviously, Untitled Remastered is not. Is it? Is it really like an official album? No, it has some great stuff on it, like um, the songs that he did for like Stephen Colbert and was at the Grammys. Like that's some of the best stuff he's ever done. But as a full project, mm-hmm. you know, it's not Butterfly. It's not Good Kid. Um, when it comes to damn, again, I, I love DNA. Uh, I love fear. I think those are some of the, some of his best songs he's ever done, especially fear, a very, very, uh, creative, uh, concept. Damn had some good to great songs on it, but as a full project, not as good as good kid and, and butterfly. And then of course, now we have this album, which is, you know, we, it's, you know, it's probably one of my least favorite albums from him. Again, it has some good stuff on it. I really like, Mother I Sober with Beth Gibbons of Portishead. You know, like folks know how much I, I love I love Portishead. Let's see here. I'm trying to look at, at my notes here because I, I don't want to spend too much more time on this. Um, I think Butterfly gave us songs and vibes that added to and fueled civil unrest last decade. Whereas I feel like this new album, even though it makes sense to drop during Mental Health Awareness Month, 
at a time when abortion rights are being attacked and more, I feel like his choices, you know, putting Kodak on, et cetera, it subverts some of its own messaging and goals, mm-hmm. um, running counter mm-hmm. to the progressive movements that have progressed, you know, since Butterfly came out. And I think that's unfortunate. He sounds like a person who wants to have his cake and eat it too, which, you know, to be fair, a lot of people, regardless of identity, want. How many people are more compassionate yeah. and forgiving toward themselves when they make an error and have far less empathy for others? You know what I'm saying? Will Smith. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. You keep his name out your gut. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's old news, old news, okay. <laughs> I do want to add, though, to Kendrick's point, uh, his side, I do want to add that I do believe in some things that Kendrick touches upon. Uh, for one, as a teacher who has seen children change over the course of just a month, a few months, um, and using Malcolm X's incredible metamorphosis as the biggest example, I absolutely do believe mm-hmm. in redemption and the capacity for people to change. Even though I don't think cancel culture itself is real, I do think the overall culture of shame and forgiveness is still raw and unrefined. Mm. Um, Coincidentally, just yesterday, actually, I read uh, an article about the book, The Shame Machine by Kathy O'Neill, and it details ways that other cultures have handled shaming individuals in their community in a healthier way. And I think for us on the left to clamor for criminal justice reform, but maintain, you know, the, the choose violence sentiments and that rage, for even some of the smallest uh, infractions, at some point, we're going to have to reimagine all of that if we want the world we, we ultimately want, right? Right? Mm. I guess your dog agrees. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of cognitive dissonance on a political, social landscape right now. Uh, Gwen also seems to feel very passionate Indeed. about it. Indeed. <laughs> I don't blame her. Uh, on that note, from We Cry Together... Um, oh, yeah, gosh. I can't. I That's, can't hear that again. I heard it like three times, and it's the only thing that I clearly remember. But I was just like, it's just, you know, it's like listening to your own trauma. I just don't want to hear it, honestly. Mm. Like I heard a lot of that growing up, in in one one way or another. Mm. Um, I didn't need you to put it in a album musical form. I guess I got enough of that from Tyler Perry. <laughs> It's interesting that, you know, his last track is called Mirror. I feel like a lot of these songs, he's trying to put a mirror up for folks to really see themselves. I think that track would probably hit the most for a lot of people. Do you have anything to to add? Nope. (laughs) Um, We're getting there. We're almost done here. We're almost done. This album would have probably destroyed me a couple years ago. But as I was alluding to with the opening quote from Marcus Aurelius, I don't have to care much about this. I look at the women around me and on the internet, and while, of course, there are some who are being vocal about their frustration, so many are either worried about the crises happening in the U.S., uh, the world in general, and or they're just living their best lives with the time they have on Earth. They're not letting something like this take up so much space in their minds and lives. And I'm also learning from that. So that's all I have. I don't agree with Kendrick's choices, but I do wish him and anyone affected by this album the best on their journey to heal. Do you have any last last remarks? No, uh, I truly don't. Uh, just looking for better. Hopefully he takes a lot of what I think is very constructive criticism. I've, heard, I've seen a lot of constructive criticism and not just hate for this mm-hmm. album. And hopefully he takes that, you know, going forward, whatever he hears or sees on the internet. Yeah, there are people who care enough about him to not just mm-hmm. be like, he's trash. I mean, there are folks who do that. It's fine. You know, it's, it's their choice. Yeah, but there are people, course, there are people who care there. enough to actually, as you said, constructive criticism. And, you know, yeah, let's hope for the best. So I want to shift gears to talk about albums that we have liked this year. I'll go first because this actually kind of mirrors Kendrick in a way. Um, and that is Denzel Curry's Melt My Eyes, uh, See Your Future. I've talked about him a few times on the show. He's been one of my favorite rappers for years now, very blurty. But like Kendrick, uh, you never know what he's going to release. But he's put out his most mature project yet. I mean, he has Robert Glasper setting the backdrop for his intro, apologizing for past behavior towards women and friends, etc. And he also drops a line, just like Kendrick, about how he was also touched as a child. 
there is boom bap on here but this album features the most kind of lush production he's ever had like the intro and mental featuring the great saul williams ain't no way is one of my favorites uh it has black jid rico nasty i've been looking forward to them working together for some time and it has one of my favorite verses from the album Please, <laughs> uh, you know uh, me, uh, Tank and the Bangas from New Orleans. You know New Orleans finest. New Orleans. I, I really in New Orleans, their finest, the finest. I've actually encountered them first on uh, Tiny Desk. I feel like Tiny Desk is the best introduction to a new oh, artist great. because I feel like I get the best production of songs on Tiny Desk. Um, definitely saw them there. Got recommended their most recent album by a friend. Took a listen to it because they were like, well, if Kendrick album bothered you, this one is vibes. And it absolutely was. There is a lot of it's a mental health album. Mm -hmm. A lot of talks about anxiety and depression and like these cycles of anxiety and depression. But it's such a vibe that I truly enjoy it. And it's like I vibe with it. I relate to it. Tank is hilariously funny. I I love her kind of commentary throughout it and her little ad libs and some of the lyrics make me chuckle. And it's not just her too, right? Because you you recommend this to me. Oh, I you got Wayne Brady. Yeah. So is, is that him talking? I didn't know that. So I that's I thought talking. it was other like people in the band talking with her, but that's Wayne Brady. No, that, the the first song is uh, Wayne okay. Brady. Yeah. I know that. Okay. Cool. Very cool. a nice solid funk yeah i dug i dug it i'm gonna just add one more album and it's definitely not as happy as as tank's album (laughs) um billy (laughs) woods atheops i think that's how to pronounce this um i think i said it before i didn't do a favorite rap albums of 2019 which is unfortunate because his hiding places would have certainly been near the top if not the top but billy woods is it's one of the most thoughtful, vivid blue collar rappers out there, and there's this there's this darkness to his music that that no one can match. He paints these bleak portraits of our reality on every project, but it's like there's a difference between depressing and dark. You know what I mean? Does that does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. like Portishead can be depressing, yes. but Massive Attack is just dark I mean, sometimes. Dark humor, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, he's such a he's such a lyrical master and. Just listening to it, just not reading it or expecting anything, my eyes just kept widening and mmm, like I was at church. He was he, he's just so nice with it. Mm. Um, for example, he turns this line from the sound of music on its head with uh, the dogs look up and whines, the hills are alive with landmines. I live in my mind, not sure what I'm looking for, but I'll know when I find. My mother sent the gardener to look for me, but the sky is a great place to hide. Great uh, background sound with Gwen right there, uh, whining away. It's like, damn, throw some bars. (laughs) 
He attacks black capitalism with the line, I'm not concerned with generational wealth. That's a curse in itself. I'm like, mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also critiques, you know, some leftist, uh, how some leftists speak to the poor and working class. Uh, he said, spare me the Hallmark Karl Marx. I was in the Dollar Tree break room playing cards. Good stuff. Like, I'm saying these lines, but just within the whole verse, it's really, it's really great. The photograph of young Tutankhamen, spaghetti links tangled like ramen, everything behind the mask rotten. I tell people I keep it so you're not forgotten, but that's cap. I thought pillars are soft, but she too smart for looking back. Mid-80s in the rear view of a gold Mercedes, midday sun make the crocodiles lazy. Money phone pocket down, wrong come save me. Sweet old ladies poisoning pigeons in the park. For a lot, make my strict nine life is a zip line in the dark. Spare me the hallmark, call marks. I was in the Dollar Tree break room playing cards for quarters. Stop lost posters on the walls, brick and mortar. I watched the planet from orbit, remorseless. Yeah, all of those verses could send me on a tangent in and of themselves. So, awesome. Exactly. Awesome. That's a sign of a good song right there. Do you got any more to to share? No, I've been uh, I've been rocking my bachata, you know, vibing. Word. <laughs> all right, let's move on to Love, Death, and Robots season three. I didn't realize this was coming out so soon. I think. Uh, our homie uh, Ram from the Neuro Alternative posted it in in the Discord, which you can join. Uh, follow the link into uh, on was it our, our Instagram, and she showed the trailer, which I don't you know I don't want to watch trailers, but I didn't know that it was going to release so soon. So this just popped up on, in the queue this weekend, and I I binged it. We didn't talk about any of this show on our show, and I don't want to spoil too many surprises in this show. But uh, for one one thing, I didn't realize how highly decorated this show is at the time of this recording. It has received eleven primetime Emmy awards for this show. I I really enjoyed the first season, and I think Allie's still watching it. She hasn't even gotten to season two yet. Maybe you have. I I only started watching it on your recommendation. Yeah, I I think this third season may be the best yet. I'm gonna go through a couple of these. Um, the, the first one, Three Robots, is a critique on late-stage capitalism. Three robots with different personalities arrive on Earth to learn how Earth uh, fell, essentially. They visit different locales of groups who thought they would survive the apocalypse, and they don't. First up is kind of this white militia camp, and then they go to structures and bunkers made by millionaires, billionaires, and world leaders, showing the folly of their own approaches. And the ending message is what many have been saying for a long time, and for me, since listening to Jill Scott Heron, uh, Whitey on the Moon. We have all this money and resources to fix a planet, so why are we spending so much money to hide within or abandon this place? Why spend so much money <sighs> protecting ourselves from others when we could provide for others? You know, it was cute. You know, the season, you know, it's easing you in, and then they were like, now sit down, because here, here comes the real shit. <laughs> uh, I forgot that this was co-produced by Tim Miller, who directed Deadpool, uh, the Deadpool f- films, and the landmark sequel terminator dark fate <laughs> um but it's also co-produced by david fincher a fight club seven and alien three fame the last one i'm joking for this new season this is the first time david fincher actually directed an episode and animation in general and i think he knocked it out the park like i can't wait to talk to you about this ali when you when you see it um it's called Bad Traveling, and again, I won't spoil it, but it's the second episode, and it's, it's arguably my favorite, and there is no love or robots in it. Uh, side note, of the nine episodes, I think only three have robots in them, actually, but there's a lot of gruesome death in this episode. It takes place, you know, well over 100 years ago on a ship that gets attacked by this large, murderous sea creature, and the creature strikes a deal with one of the mates, and from there, it just leaves you on the edge of your seat about who to trust motives what this creature is going to do on this ship with this crew that can't escape and the realistic visuals are incredible and it's just it's just tense as hell fincher is so good with the atmosphere and seeing him loose in this animated sandbox was just a a genuine pleasure two others really stand out to me i'll go over them briefly swarm which is about two black space scientists who live with and study an alien race that's the darkest one pun intended in every way the other is Jabaro, which I think has been used the most in the pro- in the promotion of this new season, at least on the Netflix 
Carousel. It's a new take on the Sirens of the Lake folktale with a twist. One of the people the siren tries to ensnare is deaf. So the episode is mostly silent with environmental noises. And for the mocap, they use dancers instead of actual actors, which added to the, to the intensity of, of motion. The siren reminded me of that, that pop and lock villain from the 2016 Suicide Squad movie, but much more terrifying. Anyway, check that out if you haven't. Yeah, we'll probably finish watching that tonight, actually. All of it? Uh, we already... St- I mean, they're very short. They're like, they're like 15 minutes long at max. If I can binge watch the amount of anime that I've been watched in my life, I can binge watch... If I can binge watch Bridgerton, this is nothing. Absolutely nothing. Speaking of, of new things, though, I just saw that I think Ghost of the Show has a new season up there, which is no, that's... I, even though I didn't love the previous season, I'm, I'll watch anything. Sorry, I just hit, hit my microphone. I'm so excited. I will watch anything with that franchise, so I will probably watch that tonight, too. Let's uh, move on to Chippendale. So you haven't watched this at all. It's too much for me, sensory overload and all that, because uh, I believe there's like a animation and CGI and real life. When I saw the trailer, there was like animated and then like the little weird looking Alvin and the chipmunk chipmunks and like I was it was very it was a lot. I, I felt nauseous. Nauseous. That's how much it was. It overloaded. It, yeah, like a vertical. It, like it overloaded my brain just from a trailer. I don't. Also, I didn't even know that they were making a Chippendales movie. So when someone said Chippendales, I was like, "You mean like the hamsters?" And someone was like, "I mean not the hamsters, the chipmunks." And someone was like, "No." And I was like, "Wait a minute, Chippendales like you know the dancers yeah. like the men?" And they're like, "No, you, I mean like Chippendales. I mean they're chipmunks." I'm like, "Chip <laughs> Chippendale, they're chipmunks." That's what I'm asking. There's no case too big, no case too small. Oh On your point gosh. of nausea, I think you know. This movie is being compared a lot to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, one of my favorite movies. One thing that distinguishes this movie from Roger Rabbit is, as you said, there is some 3D in here, but there's also so many other kinds of animation. Uh, you know, It's a meta film. Dale got 3D surgery as a meta critique of how old cartoons get modernized like Alvin and the Chipmunks. But this movie's not cringe like Matrix Resurrections or Space Jam 2, but <laughs> but there's, there's claymation in this movie. There's like Muppet puppetry. There's even a brief cameo by the animation pioneered in the Spider-Verse movie. I'm probably missing other kinds of animation too. That's yeah, a you're lot. Already, See, you're already breathing I don't hard. think I could finish it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's stressful. It's stressful. I feel like that movie should come with like a flashing lights warning at the beginning. Epilepsy warning. E- epilepsy. Yeah. yeah. Let me let me go backwards and I I'll just give a, a brief a brief thing about it. But um, this is directed by Akiva Schaefer, who is part of Lonely Island. He's written for SNL and he's worked on that quirky '90s stop motion show Kablamo. I don't know if you remember that show or you were old enough for Kablamo. But for the no, are you is that that a yes or a no? I uh, know I, I, that's a yes. I'm, I'm old enough. You're like ah, he's doing that again. I'm like I I don't remember when it came out. You know what I'm saying? So like I'm being. <laughs> But yeah, uh, it's this movie is co-written by Dan Greger and Doug Mann, who most notably worked on How I Met Your Mother. I never, I never saw that show. But they also co-wrote Doolittle, which is the worst movie I've seen this decade with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Ah, I did. Watch oh, that. it was it was that, yeah. oh, it was awful. But luckily, this is this was much better than that. <laughs> um, just I'll read a summary for folks who haven't seen it, uh, seen the movie yet. Chip and Dale live amongst cartoons and humans in modern-day Los Angeles, but their lives are quite different now. When a former castmate mysteriously disappears, Chip and Dale must repair their broken friendship and save their friend. So, um, again, this is being compared to Roger Rabbit. And funny enough, when I texted Ali, like, oh my god, this is like Roger Rabbit, Roger Rabbit literally popped up one minute later in this club, <laughs> and they're dancing to Heavy D. And I'm like, what the fuck is this movie? And it just gets crazier from there. This goes beyond Roger Rabbit, with the cameos, things in the background, Easter eggs. Um, Roger Rabbit was a collaboration with Disney and Warner Brothers, but this new movie pulls from Paramount, Universal, Nickelodeon, and other Viacom properties, anime Anime. kingdom hearts as many things that are crammed into this movie i'm probably missing things and i don't want to spoil too much because part of the fun is in the surprises but i think this is a movie where it's going to take a few watches or a lot of pausing because i did pause a lot just to catch everything but it's just a fun world to be in where anything is possible but i don't know you know how much you've seen 
but I didn't get that much overload. I felt like, you know, where, where Roger Rabbit took a, a break to kind of do these gags, like with um, Valiant falling and, and Bugs and Mickey give him that fake spare parachute. This movie, like, has a better pace. It keeps it going, but it doesn't, like, just throw things in your face like I think people may expect. I think, like, Space Jam 2 was too much of that, where here's a whole crowd of characters that you have to pause and look at or it's just there and it's just it's just so much imagery i think this does a better job with that speaking of there's no segue here uh, the voice cast is pretty good <laughs> <laughs> um john mulaney who was uh peter porker and the spider-verse movie he's chip andy sandberg is dale uh jk simmons is in this movie seth rogan eric banna will arnett seth rogan's in there so does that mean that jonah what's his last jonah name hill in there the whole Jonah Hill, yeah. I, Usually, where there's Seth Rogen, yeah, there's Jonah I, Hill. I, I don't behind. think so, but again, you know, there's so much in this movie. I I could be wrong. The main human character, Kiki Lane, who I last saw in Coming to America, she plays a police officer who was inspired by Chippendale as a kid to join the force. She doesn't do a whole whole lot, but I think she's cute in this. Like, this is definitely like a family film that hits right in the middle for the millennials and whatever who grew up on this show. And their kids. And it's it's a genuinely funny movie. It isn't just, uh, you know, look at the licenses we borrowed. Like, there are some great visual gags and just well-written jokes, period. I didn't, like, you know, cry in my seat. But it was it's definitely worth the watch, for sure. You know, maybe I'll drink a bottle of soju and give it a try. <laughs> um, <laughs> there is some darkness to this movie, though. It's kind of a spoiler, but Peter Pan is revealed to be the villain of the story. And... His story in the movie mirrors a real-life tragedy. I see Ali's, Ali's face. Like, what? But it gets crazier. His story in this movie mirrors the real-life tragedy of the boy, Bobby Driscoll, who voiced Peter Pan from the classic 1953 film and served as the visual inspiration. Apparently, while the boy was going through puberty at the, you know long ago, his acne was so excessive that he was let go from the studio. He subsequently fell into alcohol and drug abuse before dying homeless at the age of 31. Who knew that such darkness would be allowed into a Disney film, let alone a Chip and Dale movie? <laughs> it's, this is a Disney yes, film? Yes! I mean, this is a movie, I mean, not, not to spoil it, I kind of put it on, on Instagram, though. This is a movie that has Butthead in it and Randy from South yeah, Park. Yeah, I saw that. The the ugly it's sonic an, yeah it's insane it's an insane movie i wish it was funnier than it was but it was still definitely like worth the watch for sure but yeah i'm really surprised that the studio allowed such a dark skeleton in their closet to resurface in this way anyway i do recommend this one is it better than roger rabbit as a movie um i think time will tell because i don't think roger rabbit was like laugh out loud funny either but it was fun but I do think Roger Rabbit easily has more iconic characters like Jessica Rabbit and Judge Doom. I think the chemistry between Eddie Valiant and Roger is better than what Kiki Lane had with the Chipmunks. Eddie had a full arc about quitting uh, showmanship and hating tunes only to go back on, you know, to his old ways at the end of the movie. That was cool. This movie didn't have that kind of arc for at least Kiki Lane, but it didn't need it. So, but it's just something to note. Are there any original characters in this nope. movie? Nope. Uh, no, 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 no. Actually, no, that's not true. Um, Kiki Lane's superior is J.K. Simmons, but he's like a Gumby-like officer, and he is original. And I guess, I mean, Peter Pan is not original, but the way that they use him is definitely original. original. And uh, I want to say Seth Rogen's main character is a joke on a character from long ago, but I don't know if it's real, if it's new for this or not. But definitely J.K. Simmons' character is new. For sure. Mm, interesting. There could be more off the top of my head. I think there's like a kind of a like a drug dealer, like the a puppet character that's new. It's like he pretends to be all like kind of muppety, like dooker dooker dook. And then once he gets alone, it's like, hey, what's up? Hi, Mr. Bjornson. Do you have any cheese for sale? Oh, do I have for cheese? <laughs> Let's see. We've got the monster, the gouda, the brie. Do you have any stinky cheese? You cops. No. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. I think he was the funniest part of this movie. Because he had these these crazy, you know, you know how like puppets don't blink? So he's talking super gruff and aggressive and his eyes are just bugged out. Like <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. He's pretty funny. You see a look of concern on my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
I've said a lot. I've talked a lot. Miss Allie, would you like to uh, give us an update from Anime World? Okay. Brandon says I watch too many depressing animes. I come to you today with a really cute and really funny and just really well-made anime that you can watch on Netflix called Spy Family. And it is so heartwarming. I am actually obsessed. It's about a spy. No. (laughs) named Twilight <laughs> and he has to go undercover but the part of the going undercover is he has to create a family in like a week and get them into this fancy school um, and so he uh, adopts a telepathic six-year-old from an orphanage and uh, he finds a random assassin who's also trying to hide her identity and it's just basically, but none of them know that the other is the thing, except the telepath. She knows that he's a spy and that her mom, quote unquote, is uh, an assassin. And she's just trying to vibe and have a family. She's just like, I'm here for family. Oh, that's, that's cute. But the other two, the other two adults in the situation have no idea what's going on. So it's just hijinks, uh, pretty much, with some uh, great animation, some pretty cool fight scenes. Uh, that so the father is trying to hide his identity from the mother and the mother's also trying to hide her identity from the guy too essentially or yeah so they don't know that the kid is a telepath oh. uh when they adopt her she just happens to be a telepath um which is it which plays into the hijinks a lot right as you can probably guess and uh yeah it's really fun really slice of life really funny lots of fi- a lot of fight scenes there's also that trope of a the 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 assassin when she's not in her assassin mode she's kind of dopey she's kind of like just there and then as soon as like she gets a knife in her hand she's all like yeah <laughs> like a like a vast stampede he's goofy until it's it's go time yeah basically uh how many episodes like, is it right now there's only seven out okay yeah, um cool, so that's... if you aren't yeah so if it's not like it's it's new it's really new really fresh bring y'all that hot fire honestly um i saw a tweet before i watched the show that said my parents have been trying to convince me for 26 years to have a kid and i told them no and spy family has convinced me in 30 minutes and i i couldn't understand what could have happened in the anime that made someone say that but i get it now i get i don't i still don't want to have kids but like i was like okay that the family is like actually adorable wow that's (laughs) those are powerful uh words there it's a, it's a really cute i mean i uh, teach anime. kids and i, don't I really want kids. enjoy it. no same i was a teacher for four years and i was like they're adorable they're awesome but there's something about how they like put the little family together it just makes you go oh you know and then they're kicking ass and then there's blood maybe yeah, i mean somebody getting shot if i had a family i would absolutely <laughs> teach them how to how to kick ass i can't wait till my to my nieces and nephews get of age we're gonna have a whole little training camp <laughs> So yeah, that's my anime. I, I just finished watching Soul Eater as mm-hmm. well, trying to catch up to get prepared for Spot Fire Force. Um, same same creator, um, all that, and it's already been leaked. Unfortunately, the rest of us can find out because manga readers are assholes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That it's a prequel. So I hadn't watched Soul Eater, so I went and watched Soul Eater. Saw so that when when the stuff. Soul Eater's not the, that's uh, not new. I, I feel like I've heard that name for a long time. Soul Eater's not new. Soul Eater is old, yeah. but Fire Force is new. But Fire Force is a prequel to Soul Eater uh, that was revealed in the manga, and then the manga and all the freaking anime websites were like, "Boom! It's a prequel. It's been confirmed." And so uh, I was like, "Well, I don't want to know what how we mm. know it's a prequel, but I will go watch Soul Eater so I can have an idea." And then go watch Fire Force with that and see if I can, like, pick out the uh, Easter eggs. Because apparently, now that people know, they're like, oh, yeah, there's Easter eggs here, here, here. So, like, I don't, I don't want to miss so out. So, is Soul Eater good? I feel like I've seen it on some list. So, <laughs> I'm so glad someone told me to watch it past the first three episodes because they're just ridiculous. The first three episodes are wild. And I would like to... Uh, remind people that this anime is one of the older generation of anime so there's a lot of like weird situations uh for lack of better terms art style is kind of wonky but i enjoyed it is a really kind of um what's the word like picasso-esque kind of like 
it's not your standard chic anime, but it's not like hyper realistic. It's really kind of a wonky kind of style for the characters. It's very short. It's a short anime. It's finished. It's uh, 51 episodes long. So so you do recommend Soul Eater? Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. Just get through those first three episodes. It gets more serious. Stuff gets wild. Uh, it's got some complex ideals about um, fear and like society as always. You know, how anime does. Well, I will most definitely... I'd give it like a 4... No, 3.5 out of 5... Not like my highest rating, uh, putting uh, putting like one of my my favorite animes are like uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, and uh, those are like really high up there mm-hmm. for me. So like this would be kind of lower. Story is good. It's it's consistent. They don't have any weird things, like an anime that I won't name. But you know, I feel very passionate about the when stories kind of fall into themselves. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have any of that. Also, there's a cat. When you see the cat, just know the hijinks are coming and prepare for to be uncomfortable. I feel like that was a trope in in the 90s or like 90s or like 2000s where the sexy cat. Oh, I don't know about sexy cat. I was thinking. I was just saying. It's a I sexy was cat. Cats. Like uh, no, okay. no. This cat is gonna. This yeah. It's it's a different sexy kind of trope cat. Here, okay. So. I I don't know it's how to feel about sex- that. Okay. Sexy cat. Exactly. I told you these are earlier animes. There's a lot of fan service. Not not like the not like the again not like the like Lady Tsunade levels of <laughs> fan service from Naruto, but there's some weird moments. There's some weird moments, but I, it it makes is it, it like a cat person like the like the horrible cats movie remake, or is it like a cat a cat that can transform into a person? Okay, okay so like there's like one scene in the anime where like there's literally like the cat person in like this mouse person and they're like pushed up against each other and they're like having a fight in the middle of the street and like they are both skimpily like clad clothes and like the guy there's a guy under like a bunch of rocks nose just spurting blood while these two people are just like smashed up against each other (laughs) you know kind of high anime tropes (laughs) that kind of puts you in the idea uh, to prepare, you got the preferred dad. The dad is like a preferred old of guy, a uh, womanizer. Uh, the the main, the the big boss is unreliable. You know, anime tropes for days. Interesting on on the perverted dad trip. I I do I do regret that we couldn't I couldn't celebrate Azumagadayo's twentieth anniversary. I think that was uh, in April, maybe. It's a show that if you saw the the poster, you would say, "Why is this heterosexual?" black man watching the show but it's 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 have you have you ever watched it before no i haven't i don't even know what oh, that it's is. so great it's it's okay hear me out please don't judge me it's about <laughs> it's about these six high school girls i'm over here watching an anime with cat people. that's true but but you know it's weird i feel like me a man watching a show about six high school girls it would immediately give people pause but it's so funny it's probably the funniest short slice of life show i've ever seen but all six characters all six girls have different personalities there's like um a very like beautiful and sportsy but like very aloof uh girl like everyone worships her but she just doesn't really care about all that she doesn't even it doesn't even know that it exists really um there's kind of like that you know know-it-all and her best friend who's been following her since like middle school and she's like super tomboyish and they kind of have like this kind of fun like rivalry um and there's this 10 year old who's a genius and she skipped a grade and so it's kind of her interacting with these girls too and the chemistry is so fun and there are these two teachers who i now relate to i kind of i want to watch it now again now that i'm a teacher but there are these two teachers who a gym teacher and an english teacher and they also have their own kind of like rivalries and and dynamics and it's really funny if i can recommend something it's old but i think it's so 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 funny um one of the other girl characters is from osaka and i think there's a stereotype that osakans are dumb it's kind of like how in america southerners are are slow and that dynamic also comes into play into the mix and it's it's so funny like i I literally own them all on dvd at home (laughs) (laughs) you own dvds what in 2020 <laughs> yeah, that's my that's my slice of life is a spy family. 
no sadness yet, but it's still rolling out, so I can't guarantee. The first few episodes are really enjoyable. So are they rolling out like every week kind of thing? or? Okay. Yes, they are. When I finish editing the show, I'll watch that, and then I'll roll over to, to Ghost in the Shell. Maybe, maybe we'll talk about that on the next show, because we are running out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, we back hopefully in two weeks uh stranger things comes out next week so i guess we'll have time to digest that um like i said i'll probably watch i'll watch Spy family and try to watch ghost in the shell as well hopefully it's better than the the first season and whatever other stuff services out um when you say ghost in the shell you're not talking about the anime is there a live action that i was not aware of like so netflix has a partnership with uh, whoever owns that franchise and they put out season 2045 and it's a sequel to mm. the second season of second gig. And I think there's a new season of 2045 and it's kind of in this weird CG anime hybrid style that I don't really like, mm. but you know, I just love that world. And Motoko is mm-hmm. one of my favorite, you know, female heroes. I mean, heroes period. That whole crew is great. Bato and, Togusa mm. and and the chief they're 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 all they're all super cool. I I just love watching them in action, hearing them talk and banter. It's I could watch them do it all day. Speaking of talking in action, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you wanted to talk about the games that have been, have come out. Uh, one of them being the multiverse alpha phase. Uh, multiverses. I was going to say that wrong. Uh, have you seen any gameplay of it? Yeah, actually, uh, one of my favorite streamers negus uh he streams splatoon a lot he raided a guy playing um the game it was like bugs bunny against uh, it was like bugs bunny and harley quinn against wonder woman and that character from steven universe the the woman garnet okay garnet the name i could it was hard to make out everything on, on my small phone but it i mean it looked fine how was your experience for an alpha outstanding it's an alpha so that means it still has to go through a beta phase and it still has to be released. So the alpha closes the end of this week, and then the beta will be released um, in June, mm-hmm. like some mid-June. And then I'm not sure when the full release will be, but so far, gameplay has been pretty awesome. And I'm saying this as a person who does not play Smash. Like, I don't do it. I tried it. I think I tried it with the wrong people. Oh my gosh, stop. I think all my friends are like competitive Smash players. They're the wrong people to start a game with. No, you're, you know what? You know what? You are right. Playing against Smash homies who know how to play. Like, even I'm good. I've owned nearly all the Smash games. And when I play with homies who are really good, I, I, I just don't want to play anymore. It just takes all the fun out of it. It does. You're right. So I got to play the alpha with some friends. Uh, we were just vibing, but like, their shit talk was abundant. But it was like the appropriate level of toxic, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the gameplay was really smooth. There were a bit of like uh, connection glitches. Mm-hmm. We were playing. I'm here in Korea. My other friend lives in a city about six hours north of me, and I was playing with another friend who lives and two other friends who live in America. And I think they live on opposite sides of America. So for that many con- like areas to work together and play, we actually played a few really good rounds. Had some of the best fighting game like wor- online working that I've had playing any of the recent fighting games. So much better <laughs> than like tech. You mean in regards to like the latency? Yeah, the latency was okay. almost non-existent. That's like good there were a right. few glitches mm-hmm. of like moments of glitching but like i don't know what they did because like when i play tekken or mortal kombat or street fighter or insert random fighting game here the rollback that rollback is a killer so it was really fun to be able to have this game that i can literally play with someone in america and not suffer from like ping issues or something like that and the characters are really fun uh, I main Harley Quinn. We found that out not just because I like Harley Quinn, but because when I play with other people, I get smashed. Mm-hmm. Me and Harley Quinn and that hammer, we go ham. But uh, I've also seen people We in the gameplay. We've got uh, Tom and Jerry, who are hilarious in-game. they literally so funny. I think the, the selling point of this game is like the interactions as you're playing. Mm-hmm. If you watch people play... The way the characters interact with each other is funny, too. Like, all is, these little voice lines. Is Tom and Jerry, are they together like the Ice Climbers, or or are they separate? They're together. Oh, dope. Okay, that's cool. So, like, all of their attacks are them trying to hit each other, but it's, you know, hitting <laughs> you, pretty much. <laughs> that's, 
that's 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 hilarious that does that sounds awesome so is is it still available is it on ps4 um the alpha ends this week so you can apply for the beta i think okay uh after the alpha ends so get in on that um and, and if you get accepted for the beta you can like get three codes or something for your friends um i got a code from a friend i'm very fortunate and thankful that someone thought a little me and also the voice lines, I don't, they got a bunch of new voice lines. I don't know how much money they've spent on this because they got like all the actors from the original shows to like come in and do voice tags mm-hmm. uh, to interact with the characters on the screen. Like if you get Harley and Batman on the screen, like fighting each other and she's like making all these quips about, oh, yeah, I, it's so nice to swing at bats. We love messing up bats and stuff like that. Uh, so many like really funny quips. Oh, that's sick. That's definitely different from everything. Yeah, it's really fun. Wow. If like Shaggy and Velma are on, they have like chats. If he if they're on different teams, there's like different voice lines. They're the same team, there's different voice lines. Wow. Um it's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, in the world where Smash Brothers is so dominant, Nickelodeon tried to do it, but of course they had no voice acting at all. PlayStation put all their money into trying to make this work and didn't and that didn't work. Um there's there's Brawlhalla, I guess. But you really have to set yourself apart to really succeed. And that's a very unique dynamic. I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. That's brilliant. Yeah. And then they got all the characters, because I think it's HBO, not like Cartoon Network or something. Mm-hmm. I think it's HBO. So you got like Arya Stark from Game of Thrones right, in right, the right, game, right. like uh, Garnet and Steven from Steven Universe, uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, mm-hmm. and Harley Quinn, Tom and Jerry, Bugs Bunny. Uh, there's an o- original character. You got Shaggy and Velma. Sweet. And then they're going to add more characters. <laughs> they're adding more characters in. But these first few characters have been really fun to play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am looking forward now to uh, buying the game. If it's on, if it's, even if I have to buy it, I've heard rumors that they're going to be releasing it for free. Yeah, I, I think I read that too. Um, so... If Steven Universe is in it, and that's owned by Cartoon Network, right? That's Viacom. That's not that's not Warner Brothers. Yeah, I'm not sure where they got because because Sco- uh, like I said, Shaggy and Velma are in there, and Scooby Doo is also. But but I thought I thought but I thought Warner Brothers themselves owns the W the, the WB. I, well, I think Warner Brothers owns Scooby Doo. They may just license it to Cartoon Network. But I thought mm. but I thought Steven Universe is a whole original Cartoon Network show because it's only been on there. I I, I think. I, I literally could not tell you. Uh, yeah, when I saw the character lineup, Iron Giant is was in the trailer. So I think that's WB two because it was in um it was in Space Jam. Well, here's what I'm curious about: if Viacom properties can join this, then some of the Nickelodeon stuff could potentially be there too. But I doubt they they'd want to kind of cannibalize their own stuff. But the Powerpuff Girls. Or, or Samurai Jack. The thing is, though, they would have to get the if they could get the voice actors to come in and do the voice lines because these yeah. are these are original voice lines for, right, the, right, for right. this game. Because um, I I've watched Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. There are some original lines from the voice actors of Steven Universe. There are some original lines from. Uh, yeah, we were. I was like wondering, like, how much money did they put into this game? Because again, this is the alpha, right? Mm-hmm. I was expecting a way less smoother gameplay mm-hmm. than the one that I had. Instead, it played, like, if they had given me that game, like, straight out, I would have been fine with it. And I'm glad that they're going to go back and fix any kinks that are in there. But I'm I'm really happy with it. Top five studios in the world, so. Are there any Harry Potter characters in there? No. Okay. I thought it'd be interesting just kind of have that kind of Zelda, like, from Smash Brothers, that kind of magic-based powers as opposed to, the, the you know, physical. So. I mean, you should see, like, Velma's powers, she literally attacks you with words, fam. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, uh, words can't hurt me, that's a lie, because Velma, Shaggy slaps you with a sandwich. I mean, sure. it's, it's sure. uh, Why not? hectic. I am excited now to <laughs> play this. I will apply for the beta, but we are going to end this show here. Again, we have so much to talk about next time. I hope you will join us. Again, Ali, where can they find you? Ali Soko, A-L-Y-S-O-K-O, on any social media platform, pretty much. Word. And you can find us on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D period U-P. In the link to our to the bio, you can find the link to our Discord. Find us there, chat with us. And of course, we are on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. 
And of course, you can find us on Blurred.com, our partner's awesome website full of nerdy content from a black cultural lens. Allie, thanks again for joining me. And uh, thank you for having me. No doubt. Peace. I'm